0: Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast Pod. 91st episode underway and what is mesmerizing is that we are quickly closing down on the 100th episode mark, which seems quite outlandish to be completely honest, but that's the fact that even I didn't realize that before my friend asked me if I had planned anything special for the first three-digit episode. So whether you've been on this ride since the very beginning or have just jumped in, I really appreciate you being here and hope that we have a long and eventful journey in front of us and that this will be just another sign next to the road that we are currently driving on. But yeah, I got something cooking in the oven for that occasion, so you pretty much just have to wait and see what that special something ends up being. Today though, we are just going to keep things short and sweet since like I said at the end of last week's episode, I just started my new adventure in the corporate world and honestly the start has been just as time consuming as I had expected. So since there more than likely is going to be few changes to the normal upload schedule in the next upcoming weeks, I wanted to put out something for you to possibly enjoy. And that's why the episode won't have similar length to our previous few shows in the past. And this week's agenda will focus on the rebuilding projects around the NHL and the aim here is to take a look at the teams that have started their rebuilds within the past 3-4 years or are just possibly entering that realm in the very near future. So pretty much as a half fan, since I don't get that much enjoyment out of my team's performances during the regular season, I wanted to dedicate an episode to all you guys as well who are rowing on that same misery boat with me that is hopefully heading for greener pastures in the next upcoming years. So that is going to be the X-Ray for this week's show, and I don't think there's much else that needs to be said, so let's just punch out the intro and get to this week's main course itself. Without further ado, let's get going. Okay, boys, let's get this show underway. So just like I said, this week will be dedicated to teams that are exiting or entering their own rebuilding process or are just simply feeling the effects of drafting and developing players that they've drafted after suffering throughout an 82 NHL game campaign. But before we start to go through the bottom feeders of the league, I gotta update you on the Shane Pinto situation since... Last week we got our first update concerning his contract saga after it was announced that the Sens had offered him a one-year, one-million bridge deal, which he understandably ended up rejecting. But by the looks of it, he might have to settle for even less because NHL announced that they had given a 41-game suspension to Pinto for violating the league's gambling policy. Which honestly is pretty goddamn ironic given that a portion of the league's revenue comes from gambling. And even some teams are currently rocking gambling side logos on their helmets. But this basically just means that either the Sens give him the Alex Fomenton treatment and let him wonder if European hockey ends up being the way to go, or Pinto just simply accepts Ottawa's qualifying offer, which is somewhere around the 900,000 mark. And even if that ends up being the case, it would still mean that he has to stay on the sidelines until 41 games have been played. So... I don't know if the organization knew something about the ongoing investigation or what's the deal here because at least to me that honestly seems like the most probable explanation here because they didn't really panic about signing him sooner or even getting some dollars off of their books via trade in order to make some room to their cap space. But whatever the case might be, now at least both parties know what the current offer is on the table and we can only speculate what's the real deal between the organization and the player at this point but I would at least hope that this isn't anything serious and Pinto learns from it and starts to fulfill his potential after a few injury-riddled seasons. So, all in all, as a pretty big shame Pinto merchant, this was not the news I wanted to hear, but at the end of the day, each and every one of us carries their own responsibilities, and in this case, he fucked around and found out, so we'll see what the next steps are on his journey back towards the NHL ice. But that's that when it comes to big headlines from the NHL from the past week. Otherwise, Vegas, Boston and Colorado are still humming on top of the league table, each with their first loss of the season collected to their back pockets. Pacific Division so far has been a complete mess with both Albertian teams trying to climb up the tree as first. Meanwhile, Philadelphia Flyers are catching teams with pants on their ankles, so... That is pretty much just a warning that you shouldn't get too carried away by the early season results because the league standings are bound to face some serious shakeups as the season goes on. And I can already tell you a secret that the Flyers won't be one of the teams in the postseason. That I can guarantee you already before 10 games have been played. Because we've seen this happen a couple of times before already. But like I mentioned, this week the goal is not to focus on the current events in the NHL, but rather to try to understand the currently ongoing rebuilding processes and the teams that are currently representing that sphere, where future is uncertain but full of hope. So, if you happen to support one of the teams that will be featured in today's episode, I'm sure that I'll be able to bring some light to the ever-darkening days of the months of October and November. So to start things off, we are first going to take a look at the clear rebuilding teams, meaning the likes of Chicago, Montreal, San Jose, etc. After that, we will move on to teams that are currently exiting their rebuilding windows as we speak and are trying to find their way to the postseason after multiple years of representing the last few spots on the league table. And last but not least, we are going to cover a few teams that are rapidly starting to see the effects of trying to stay on top. So if you've been following the show for some time now, or have just done your own due diligence, you might be aware which teams might make their appearances throughout our today's episode. But that is going to be the layout, and like I mentioned a few moments ago, I try to keep things fairly short and concise, so let's just end the blabbering and head on to our first destination, which in fact ends up being Montreal and their young Canadian squad. So, so far, the Habs have been a 500 team through the first 10 or so games of the season, but more than likely, that will change once the big hitters start rolling again and injuries begin to shake up lineups as we get closer to the start of the calendar year 2024. And as of now, you could say that they already have few of their future components in place, but certainly there are still few glaring holes that need to be addressed before they can be considered as a real playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. And one of the biggest question marks currently is their goaltending situation since Carey Price's boots are quite massive to fulfill and there currently ain't too many names on the board that could be able to fill those. So it'll be one of the more intriguing aspects to follow if their management has their sights on one of their goalie prospects or if they end up activating on the trade or free agent markets once the team starts to take its shape for a future cup run. Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki are the building blocks up front that will be depended upon on most nights and more than likely will be the head of the spear when it comes to their future offensive contributions. And at least currently, Caden Gooley and David Reinbacher could be seen as the names that are expected to man their first blue line pairing behind those skilled offensive dynamos. 2022 first overall pick Uraslav is slowly making his way up their lineup and their newest addition Alex Newhook is coming in with decent expectations. So definitely when you look at their current NHL roster and see these names manning few of the tough spots, you could say that things could be much worse, no doubt about it. But do I feel like this is going to be the core group that will give us the cup once the real push begins? Unfortunately, I have to say that no. Not completely. And I feel like I need to explain why I think that way. So, let's head to their depth chart. Here you find brilliant names such as Harris, Baron, Primo, Heinemann, Farrell, Kidney, Mizak, rua Nulinder, Mayu, Trudeau, Struble, Dobes, Fowler, Messar, Beck, Tuck, Kapanen, Rohrer, Hudson and the list goes on. But most of these are names that are not expected to be major game changers on the next level except for a few specific individuals, so while they have a tremendous amount of depth on their prospect pipeline, I don't see that many elite talents that could drastically change their heading within the next 3-4 to years. And that's all because development usually isn't linear, so one year one of those names could be in the conversation of being brought up to the bright lights but all it needs to change is a major season-ending injury which could have a massive impact in his next year's development. So while I feel like they've done a tremendous job in getting value picks with their later selections, I also feel like they missed with their big picks and this way have started to fall down the prospect rankings on the league-wide level. And don't get me wrong, I love the fact that there are lots of names that could enter the NHL realm within the next coming years, but at least personally, I feel like most of these guys will fill depth roles once they enter the NHL and even a question whether Nick Suzuki could be labeled as an elite first-line center isn't out of the question, so in my point of view, they are still few moves away from becoming a team that has all the tools in place to start pushing towards the postseason in the coming years. And yes, obviously their young guys need to be ready mentally and physically for that push So You need to take that into consideration as well, but what I mean is that at least currently I feel like they could use another high draft pick to either strengthen their future top six or place the chips on a future first line blue liner because the jury is still out there when it comes to Gullis and Reinbacher's projections as first pairing options. And yeah, Lane Hudson could fit that mold certainly, but a lot has to happen before I'm willing to speak about him being the first option on that blue line because his defensive game is still less than reassuring. So. We'll see what Kent Hughes ends up cooking as the organization has missed on multiple high-end prospects in previous drafts due to the fact that they focused on drafting for need rather than upside. And great examples of that are, for example, guys like Jesper Wallstedt, Logan Cooley, and David Yericek, just to name a few. So currently the rebuild is still very much underway, and the most recent injury headline concerning their second-line center Kirby Duck doesn't change the view for the better, that's for sure. But... I feel like there's a lot of work to do before they can start to stretch their legs for good and the overall transition might end up taking longer than what we have fans are actually prepared for. So, overall, decent pieces in place and we will learn soon enough if they have either enough depth to start changing the outlook or if they still need to find a few gems from the draft table in order to change the course for the better in the next upcoming years. But in order to do that, you need more than just decent mid-first-round picks, so use better booty scouts to work, Is more than likely they won't be picking in the top three by looking at the current proceedings of the ongoing NHL season. Next up, we got more than likely the worst team of this year's NHL season, but also a team that will be drafting in the top five in the next upcoming years as well, and that is, of course, the San Jose Sharks. They haven't won a single game since the season started and honestly this bunch could end up being one of the worst teams in the modern NHL history just by looking at their early season performances. So far they've been outscored 8-32 so truly the rebuilding process has officially begun in the Shark Tank whose fans saw two major names exiting their premises within the past nine months. And it shouldn't surprise you if more names end up leaving before the season is over and done with. But I promise to bring some light to each equation and that's why we will just move past that in order to find some spark from the San Jose seller. First of all, the good thing is that by the looks of it, they will have the best odds for the upcoming NHL 2024 entry draft. And if last year's motto was tank for Bedard. This year's M.O. is sock for Celebrini because right now the B.U.'s Macklin Celebrini seems to be the home run first overall pick. And with that, the Sharks could have their hands on their future number one forward. Just a few years ago, their prospect pipeline was seen as one of the weakest in the entire league. And unfortunately, I gotta say that there's still lots of work to be done before they become one of the top teams in that specific aspect since... As of writing, the only notable names on their blue line that are seen as names that could have extremely successful careers in the bright lights are pretty much just William Eklund and Thomas Bordelow, plus more raw names, Will Smith and Quinn Masty, who definitely boost the overall outlook of their prospect basket. But despite that, it still isn't a lead in the big picture, and that needs to change if they aim to quickly change their heading for the better. They've also acquired decent names in Henry Thrun, Shakir Mukamadulin, Magnus Rona, Philip Bystead, Kasper Haltunen, Cameron Lund, Matthias Havelid, and Michael Fischer, but just like in Montreal, decent depth doesn't equate to elite talent, and that's why it would be extremely important for this team to start acquiring more high-end names to their pipeline. Because their previous GM, Doc Wilson, didn't do them any favors by throwing away value draft picks in addition to selecting long-shot picks such as Ryan Merkley and Wise Weisblatt with their earliest picks, especially at the back end of his GM 10 year. And just like with the Habs, the goaltending question looms large in SoCal as well, because Gakkonen and Blackwood won't be their long-term options that's guaranteed, because old guys are already closing down on the 30-year mark, and since the Sharks are just finally entering the rebuild mode, Those two have already retired by the time the Sharks battle for the playoff spots once again in the Western Conference. So, all in all, unfortunately, I gotta say that more than likely this process will take years upon years before actual results can be seen. Especially since only two of their top tier names are currently representing the big club. So, there ain't no quick fixes here and Sharks fans just have to hope that they end up acquiring more draft capital via names Hurdle, Couture and Duclercus. Like I said in a previous episode, future assets are all that matter in this city right now, at least when it comes to their hockey team. So a long rebuild ahead for the Sharks and this year could only end up being the prelude for what's about to come in the future. But if Eklund and Smith end up becoming what they are supposed to, and this team ends up getting a few more top-end draft picks for the next few draft classes, their pipeline should become one of the strongest in the entire league, but if not, Kick Rear straight out of his office, because trading is in his strong suit, and if he ends up shooting himself on the draft table as well. Well, there ain't much to lean on, but let's see what he's able to do, because the new era is slowly about to start in California, and they need him to be on his A-game. That's for sure. Next on the block, we got the Chicago Blackhawks and as you know, the new sheriff has arrived in Windy City and has begun his reign as the new face of the Blackhawks' organization. And since I've been pumping Chicago's future for some time now, I feel like we are going to keep this short and sweet because the team will learn and grow through Bedard. And with all the draft capital that is currently deposited in the United Center, it is just a matter of time once they are back on top of the league standings with top names. Reichel, Korczynski, Comesso, Nazar, Moore. And Zell leading the charge alongside their new stud, number 98. They have both talent as well as decent depth on their ranks, and even the goaltending front is looking better than in our previous two destinations, so their management has done quite a decent job in slowly refreshing their core and by starting to mold its structure around their new number one center. They also happen to have a bold lot of draft picks for the upcoming draft classes as well, so Even more talent should be expected to arrive in Chicago in the coming years. And while not that many of their current top names are yet bona fide NHL players, it shouldn't take long until they start to make some noise in the bright lights alongside their new head honcho. So right now it's better to just expect to see them picking in the top five next summer again and landing another name to their already quite solid prospect pipeline that is still slowly shaping up for future battles. Philadelphia is our next destination and despite their decent start to the new NHL season, Danny Briere's Flyers are still considered as one of the rebuilding teams thanks to his official offseason announcement and current roster outlook. The Flyers have been in this weird tide wave that has gone back and forth in recent years and due to it they've managed to miss the top names of each draft class if you count out the 2017 when the Flyers ended up picking Nolan Patrick second overall instead of the franchise-changing names such as Miro Heiskanen, Kale McCarr, Elias Pedersen, and many, many more that are currently household names on the NHL ice, The recent GM circuses have also really muddied the water on what this team was supposed to be, and when you look at the current median age of their squad, you may realize that this team should be battling for a playoff spot now that they've gotten their veterans Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier back in their lineup. But that isn't the case and it's only a matter of time once this team falls back to its place near the bottom of the league standings and starts to focus on the upcoming NHL entry draft that will eventually leave a bitter taste in their mouth thanks to missing on the top names of the class due to mediocre but not horrible enough performances during the regular season. But what's at least something to build on is the fact that their new GM Daniel Briere has made it official. It is time to fully embrace the suck and start making our way out of the bottom of the barrel by eating shit for a few years in a row. And I don't know if the players and especially their head coach John Tortorella also got the memo from that press conference because they are currently exceeding expectations which will eventually lead to mediocre results. And the one thing they certainly don't need is any more mid-tier prospects and more so just game-changing ones And since you can usually find those types of players only from the top 5 of each class, if in fact the class doesn't end up being as stacked as the one we saw back in 2015, you need to tank as hard as you can, so as of now, I would advise them to start considering if winning any more games is necessary for the greater good of the entire organization. Also the fact is that they won't need to start the process from the ground zero if they don't end up deciding to do so because guys like Owen Tippett, Bobby Brink, Cam York, Carter Hart and Morgan Frost are decent pieces to build your future around, especially when you remember that you also have names Carter Gauthier, Mike Michkov, Emil Andre, and Oliver Punk in the pipeline standing beside these guys waiting for the door to truly open as a sign of the new era in Philly. And yes... Their current prospect spreadsheet isn't filled with bold a lot of top-tier names, and even the depth is more than questionable, so while there is the possibility of starting the whole process from ground zero, they have enough pieces in place to start a so-called quick fix. If indeed they end up embracing the sock like I said just a moment ago, because without it, you will just become mediocre team with mediocre future outlook, while missing the true long-term vision that ends up eventually guiding you. So while it may take some time before this team starts to reach a point where we could consider them being one of the playoff contenders in the East, there are certainly a couple of ways Breer could execute the process and that's exactly why it will be interesting to see which path he ends up choosing us. The Flyers fans are generally starting to get fed up with their yearly back-and-forth marching without any measurable progress. And my intuition is that he won't sacrifice assets that they've gathered so far. And we'll just try to focus on the near future by trading away possible depreciating assets as well as ones that currently hold the most trade value. Meaning the likes of Travis Konechny and even Joel Faraby, who's off to a decent start with five dots from the first seven games. So yeah, right now I can't guarantee you if we end up seeing a complete rebuild led by the new man in charge or if they end up keeping their assets in place while trying to figure out ways to not waste the prime years of their players that have already entered the NHL within the past couple of years. Moving on, and now we start to see teams that are slowly or rapidly beginning to crawl out of their rebuilding shells. And first team that we are going to go through can be from, from Ohio, whose start has been an Okay, one which features few wins and few losses, but definitely more is expected out of this team that made heavy investments this summer in order to change their course, which has been heading south through the past couple of years, despite heavy changes on multiple organizational fronts. Their last summer's topic, Adam Fentili is off to a decent start with four points from seven games and is looking just as diamond as what we were told before the Canadian truck was selected third overall last summer by their GM Jarmo Kekalainen. But despite having multiple young guns in decent roles on the NHL ice, names such as Marchenko, Johnson, Jirecek and Sillinger haven't quite gotten off to as hot start as could be expected and therefore there's still plenty of room for improvement if these guys are aiming to finish above the playoff line when teams start to gear up for the upcoming postseason. And the main reason for that is the fact that some of those names are crucial for this team's success and have been given bigger roles on their lineup due to the fact that most of them are already heading to their second full year in the big league and are also seen as the big future building blocks alongside their big hitters, Kudrow, Line, and Wierenski. But if we simply close our eyes from their early season and just solely focus on the big picture, this team is currently in a spot that should lead to success in next upcoming years if they can utilize their assets accordingly and make the necessary changes in order to let these young guys step into even more prominent roles with proper guidance. They have one of the deepest prospect pools, as I've said in the past, and by looking at their current name chart, you could argue that they should be exiting the rebuilding window sooner rather than later, but by the looks of it, there are still some tweaks that need to be made that are linked to overall experience and maturity in the big league for the most part. And just like I mentioned, they were alert this summer and brought in few names that were aimed to help them transition away from the rebuilding phase, but at least currently. It is still unclear how much progress they've made since the last time we saw them, because For the most part, it's been a slow start for many of their young guns, and even some of their household names haven't been on a level they are expected to be right from the first puck drop. And quite honestly, I can't understand why they are intentionally scratching some of their future names because yes, daily work matters. But how are you expecting these guys to grow if they don't get enough chances to make mistakes and learn from them is my real question. Like, do they truly believe that Justin Danford will suddenly jump up to a 30-goal score and stay that way beyond this year? Because I can guarantee you that, for example, their young defenseman Adam Boquist has many more years in front of him when compared to a guy that is currently manning his spot on their lineup, Eric Goodbranson. Like, that is the point I'm currently trying to understand, but... I guess the situation is way better than last year when a big portion of their future names were eating popcorn in the press box for multiple games in a row. So in that sense, I think that's definitely an aspect they've improved in from years past, that's for sure. But just like I said, much like with many other teams filled with top young names, it's pretty much just a waiting game on their part which can feel excruciating if you are not just willing to quick fix things which at least in my opinion is not the answer in a long rebuilding process. So I like that they've stuck to their guns and have finally realized that you need to give the opportunity for the young bucks to fuck around and find out because usually in the long run that ends up paying dividends and if it doesn't, then you start to scramble. But at least currently, it's looking like they've decided their path and are committing to it just as they should. But due to the extended process and lack of measurable results, the time is starting to quickly run out. But if we end up seeing some major changes in their progress, even better things could be coming their way. If they stay patient and start fixing the roster to a shape that supports their young core, that will take over their lineup in the next coming years and months with names Sposal, Kulemans, Matejak, Brindley, Whitelaw and Pinelli leading the way. So lots of promising Columbus for brighter days, but much like in Buffalo and Arizona, we have to start seeing some results or otherwise we could end up seeing even more changes that we saw during this year's offseason. And while speaking of Arizona, we might as well head to Desert next, since, as we know, their rebuild has been ongoing since the First World War, I think. And we've yet to see them getting anywhere near the postseason in the modern NHL. So... I think it's justified to see them as the final rebuilding team that needs a more thorough investigation in our today's show. But while saying that, I also gotta admit that last year was at least a sign for better things to come as some of their top prospects broke out to game-changing roles on their lineup led by their top gun Clayton Keller, who ended up reaching the highest point total in the Yotes' history. But they've also increased their bets for this year even more by adding Sean to their backline and by inserting their 2022 top draft pick Logan Cooley to their top 9. So, despite the fact that their start hasn't been one they were necessarily looking for, when you see that your entire top 5 in scoring is filled with your young representation, you can be pretty happy about it if you just quickly bypass the fact that their second line center Barrett Hayden has a goose egg on his stat sheet from the first 7 games. So not bad, I would say, and overall they are pretty much a mix of both worlds where you are now waiting for their other young reps to start making their way to the big league. Meanwhile, the fan base and the leadership group is impatiently waiting for you to take the next step, just like in Columbus. But since this is what their fans have gotten used to, and due to the fact that they aren't seen as one of the big market teams, there's more lease there. But I don't know how much there's still left if they can't figure out their arena problem, and overall... Start climbing out from the bottom of the league. But in this case, just like in Columbus, it won't come down to lack of prospects since their pipeline is filled with all kinds of animals ranging from top-end goal scorers to long-term goalie prospects, so I would just hope that this could be the year where they show us something that we haven't seen in recent years, which could work as a stepping stone for the next level on their process of making the Arizona Coyotes relevant again on the league-wide level. The only thing that really bothers me, though, is the fact that they put plenty of emphasis on drafting physically mature players to their roster and have given up big talents in order to draft more NHL-ready names in the early rounds. So in few years, we will learn if that ended up being the wise decision or if they ended up just sawing their leg off. Because right now, I can't point out too many guys from their pipeline that could compete with some of the names mentioned earlier with pure skill and upside. That's for sure. The town will tell us the answer, and I personally belong to the camp that is not too big of a fan of the recent draft picks if you count out the home runs Cooley and Simashev, so I'm really intrigued to see where this process develops and if some of those so-called reach picks end up turning out, because if we don't end up seeing any real changes performance-wise, I would anticipate seeing plenty more relocation headlines around the league soon enough. The Anaheim Ducks belong to this bunch of teams as well that are trying to figure out how to exit the current rebuilding phase. And while they have some great assets in their books and some of them have already broken into the NHL eyes, I would still argue that this team is still a few years away from becoming a playoff contender. But much like the Blue Jackets, they possess one of the deepest prospect pools in the league which gives some comfort for their fan base. The this year's graduate class holds names mean Chukov, Luno and Kossom, but by the looks of it, they are starting to push their top names towards the NHL ice, so we should expect to see even more names making their NHL debuts this year, because there's a laundry list of great names on their AHL roster, and more than likely they will throw a few of their older names on the chopping block near the deadline time, which should release some room for their young guns to operate on the NHL ice, but... Like with many other teams on this list, it's just a matter of time once their young guns end up becoming household names for the Ducks. But like I said, they have still few more years left until they could be considered as a real playoff contenders. But certainly the future looks promising for this team, especially now that even bigger portion of their prospects have started to decorate their NHL lineup. And since I've been pretty straightforward on what I think about the Ducks and their future, I feel like there's not much to speculate about here. They have both depth as well as high-end names on their pipeline, so time is the real enemy here. But if they are successful in slowly implementing some of their top names to their NHL roster in the near future, this certainly will start to speed up their rebuilding process and we could end up seeing similar results to Detroit, where all they need to do is fill up the roster with complementary players that will assist their young guard on their path towards nhl stardom so all in all i would say that the process isn't right where they probably wanted it to be at this stage but they aren't far away at least on paper when it comes to breaking out of the rebuilding box so we'll see if they end up being the next team to do so because all marks point towards that happening in the quite near future Then we start to move towards teams that have already shown glimpses of their future outlook but have yet to really take the Devils-esque next step during the NHL regular season. And the first team on the board ends up being the Buffalo Sabres who last year showed some promising signs with their performances and were close to finding their way to the postseason but eventually came up short and this year so far has been nothing like what we saw from them during the earlier NHL campaign. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, they truly stumbled out the gates and are still manning the last spot in the Atlantic division, but fortunately for them, the differences within the division are still quite marginal, and therefore, it is still too early to judge them just based on less than 10 games. We knew from the get-go that their biggest weaknesses were spread between goaltending, defense, and forward depth, and right now, the only thing that is clearly standing out from that trio is their goaltending, which unfortunately isn't sufficient enough in its current form and could cause some problems in the long run if they end up being one of the teams in the postseason conversation. Their top guns are starting to find their offensive touch once again after biting their tongue for the first four games of the season. So, if they can find a way to minimize high-danger scoring chances on their own, and I would expect them to improve as the time goes on. But if they can't manage to do that, they might be forced to search for answers from the trade market because it's obvious that without any miracles, the trio of Comrie, Levi and Loken, and more than likely won't be the bunch that pushes them to the postseason, if I'm completely honest. Yes, Comrie has been terrific in his three starts so far, but how long will he be able to stand his ground while keeping his numbers in check is the question, not to mention their lack of possible replacements on their back end in case of injuries and all that jazz. But like I promised, we gotta keep a positive atmosphere here, so let's just return back to the brighter side of the spectrum. And, well, like I mentioned in the season preview episode, once again it's just a waiting game in Buffalo since pieces start to be there to continue their push towards the postseason. And like in Columbus, this team is armed to their teeth with high-end future names, so once young names such as Coolidge, Rosen, Kisakov, Savoy, Benson, Johnson and Erslon start making names for themselves on the next level. It's all about finding the supporting cast for the young guns. so all in all, the rebuild is close to completion and will be finalized once we see them in the postseason sometime in the near future. They will have the cap space as well as assets in place in order to strengthen the team when they decide to do so, so this team is right on the verge of becoming a real challenger on the next level, just like few teams that are coming right after them in a few short moments. So currently it's still too early to tell where they currently stand with their process. The next step has already been taken and it's all up to their management and few young pieces to start moving the needle inch by inch that will have an even bigger effect on their short-term future. So needless to say, really promising outlook but not convincing one at least as of now and they might need to follow Detroit's example and go big in next year's offseason or even before the deadline to nudge this thing towards the direction they want to be heading in. Next up we got Ottawa and as you could anticipate pretty much the same rules and restrictions apply to them than to the previous team and obviously you can't place these two teams in the same box in regards to top tier prospects because Buffalo has most of the teams in the league by the balls when it comes to that aspect but overall I see Ottawa and Buffalo in a pretty similar situation where they have most of the pieces in place but haven't yet made their mark on the league wide level. Team is two. Jake Sanderson, Captain Brady, all studs, no questions about it. Ridley Gregg is starting to feel his shoes as an extremely versatile and agitating two-way force, whereas still young Drake Patterson and Josh Norris are carrying their own ends as well, so could be worse, that's for sure, and that is exactly what will lead us to my next point. The main reason why I'm so bullish with the sense. Pretty much all their top-end names have already entered the league and there's only a few decent names waiting on the sidelines, so pretty much the court that is expected to take the next step when it comes to Senators hockey is already there. Yes, they still have more than a handful of useful depth names in the pipeline waiting and a couple netminders hanging around the AHL, but for the most part... All their big hitters have graduated and some of the high picks from the past drafts haven't really panned out the way they were hoping so. Once Tyler Cleveland, Jacob Bernard Docker and even guys like Jack Ostebchak and Robbie Järventie become NHL regulars, there's little to no help inside when it comes to upcoming names, as of now at least. Which means, it's time to start the push. The big office has already participated by bringing in guys like Tarasenko, Kubalik and Chikrin to support their top names. So now it's time to show what they are capable of. Simple as that. And since that happens to be the case, I'm not waiting anymore and expecting this team to take the next step already this year. And you guys know it. And if that happens, plus both Detroit and Ottawa end up manning some of the top spots this year, those two traffics that they have become almost obsolete, so that's it. I've stated my case. Rebuild exit already underway and because of it, there's really no reason to speculate any more than that because the table is set and we are just waiting for answers, so let's head on to the final team in this sphere that is currently rapidly making its exit out of their own rebuilding phase. And that team, of course, is the Detroit Red Wings, who've been the Phoenix of the early 2024 NHL season. Alex Debringet has been everything the Sens fans could have asked for alongside Detroit's leader Dylan Larkin. And guys, it seems like we are about to find his true ceiling now that he's finally paired up with the guy that can find the back of the net while also delivering the biscuit on his wing. Moritz Sider is currently on point-per-game pace and Lucas Raymond has rebounded from the slow start close to the point-per-game pace and even their bottom 6 center Joe Valeno is having himself a nice start without forgetting one of my breakout candidates Daniel Sprong who as well has 5 points from the first 8 games so spectacular is the word that best describes their 5-2-1 start. And oh yeah, the funny thing is that they even have young guns in their reserves to step into their lineup in case of emergency, so. By the looks of it, most of the ICER planned outers might have to start eating their words if this is the Red Wings team that will entertain us for the rest of the NHL regular season. And well, I have to push the brakes a bit because like I said, we've only seen less than 10 games from these teams, so it's way too early to tell what's a fact and what's code shit, but... At least we can come to a mutual agreement on their great start and that the rebuild exit finally seems to be closer than ever after a year. That was expected to be the big stepping stone on their path towards becoming a dominant NHL team once again. So just like I said, they are looking mighty fine right now and there's still plenty of firepower in the reserves in Elmer Söderblum, Marco Kasper, Amadeus Lombardi, Simon Edvinson, William Wallander, Jonathan Bergren, Nate Danielson, Axel sandin Pelika, Sebastian Cosa and the list just goes on, so. You know exactly what's my take on this and I'm sure that I don't have to emphasize it much after this start, so. Even if they end up failing on their mission of becoming a playoff team, if they can stay competitive until the final stretch of the season, this year could be seen as a benchmark for the end of the Iser plans rebuilding process which will then move on to its phase called execute, and that is the moment when you hear me say, weapons hot. And then, there's no returning back, and we need to see them near the top of the lake, with or without, but more than likely with the rest of their young names. And I've been surprised by their start, there's no questions about it, but... Since I've seen this story many times before, I unfortunately expect them to fall back a bit as the year progresses because their first-line production isn't just straight-up sustainable through 82 games and since those two names have pretty much carried them to this point, either others have to take bigger roles in the party or goalies need to stand on their heads because so far, James Reimer has been carrying the load in their blue paint and Huso's numbers have to jump up if they fantasize about becoming a playoff team already this year. just like I said, this is extremely promising and I'm excited to see what this team is capable of because I've been pumping their tires for two years in a row now. So let's just hope that they can keep their groove and end up being one of the teams that ends up shaking the power dynamic in the Eastern Conference at the end of 82 games. And the final few teams that I'm going to bring up in our today's episode belong to the category Retool or Rebuild Inbound, and that covers the likes of Nashville, Pittsburgh, In Washington. And it is obvious that the two fierce rivals, the Pens and the Caps, are staring down the barrel of a long rebuild. And I've touched upon this issue already a couple of times in this show, so I'm just going to keep this pretty short and simple for you. Both of their prospect pipelines belong to the bottom category of the league, and while Caps feature some decent names on their prospect pool, They aren't types of game-changers that can magically start to turn around their franchise in less than five years. The team is in need of a facelift and lack of young superstars is just an end result of staying in the cup hunt for as long as they have. And this obviously also applies to the veteran Penguin squad. Pens, in fact might have the worst prospect pool in the entire league, so... You can only imagine how long it is going to take to get this team back on top once their leaders Letang, Malkin, Crosby and even newly acquired Eric Carlson and call it quits. So I'm just guessing that their fanbase hasn't felt this kind of a downturn since the days when Super Mario came to their aid and was able to keep the Penguins in the Steel City. And while I believe in Dubes and his ability to speed up the rebuilding process I don't see him as a miracle worker and therefore believe that both of these great organizations will dip close to the bottom once the generation chain starts in the eastern United States. The situation in Nashville though is pretty different one where the Preds have begun their retooling process by dealing away some of their older names and it seems like they are really trying to push their young guys to their lineup this year, which is what I've been hoping for a couple of years now already. They brought in some veteran help in the offseason to guide their young players towards becoming household NHL names and for the most part their lineup is currently constructed of their own draft picks, plus few names that have been brought on as the time has passed so. While they have few names that have been part of their ride for some time now, meaning the likes of Philip Forsberg, Roman Josi, Jose Saros, Dante Fabro and a few others. But in the grand scheme of things, their new GM Barry Trotz is trying to quick-fix this team back into postseason shape and it could take more than just a year before they are back where they belong in the rough central division, despite having some elite names already starring in their NHL lineup. They have pushed names such as Novak, Glass, Tomasino and Evangelista to big roles on their lineup, but there are still few names such as Kemel, Askarov, Svechkov, Molendijk and Wood who are building their resumes in either the AHL or the junior leagues. so... They pretty much don't belong to either previous category and more so sit somewhere within the full-on rebuild mode and starting to exit the dismantling window and therefore will be the final team that we are going to cover in our today's episode. So now that I've seen their manner of approach for this season, I think I've started to understand what the MO is going to be for their new big boss and what actually is their heading for the next few years. And while they've kicked off the season with a 500 record, I believe that this won't be their ceiling at least if you take into account the next few years. So I think we should see them in the playoff picture sooner rather than later because they've been able to shift their heading quicker than most teams thanks to great performances on the draft table, as well as due to the fact that their big guns are still young enough that they have few prime years left in the tank to be part of the next wave. That starts to push towards the Stanley Cup in few short seasons. So overall, I'm fairly excited for their future now that we've learned what Trotz's mindset is for the future. And while they have great depth on their prospect pipeline, I would still argue that they are one or two difference makers short of becoming more than a decent team in the future. And like many other teams on this list, could use a big impact forward that could become one of the leading names on their roster alongside previously mentioned promising names. But that's pretty much the set I wanted to cover in today's episode. You certainly could have made cases for the likes of St. Louis and even Calgary, but I decided that I wanted to see how things end up developing on their part. Because at least in my opinion, the teams we went through were the ones that distinctly separate themselves from the rest of the teams and can be put in a box that clearly shows us where they are in their current rebuilding process. Pretty much it's just a waiting game for most of these franchises and I'm extremely interested to see which teams end up taking the next leap alongside few organizations that have already become a powerhouse they were expected to be in the near future. Prime example being the New Jersey Devils who skipped multiple steps in their process and within just one year went from a possible contender to one of the top teams in the entire Eastern Conference. But even that team, at least in my opinion, is still not yet ready for the real cup challenge. And like I've stated in the past, usually in order to hoist the cup, you need to face some adversity. And I believe that the Devils are the next team that has to go through some tough times in order to become one of the elite teams in the league. That will be challenging for the cup year in and year out. So while I said that some of those organizations are bound to make their entry to the competitive side of the NHL, More than likely, there's still a long road ahead which could lead to Stanley Cup. And while saying that, I'd like to remind you that some of these teams won't even end up making it to that phase and have to figure out if they start the process all over again or just fell to mediocrity through multiple different reasons, whether they are linked to prospects not developing properly or wasteful asset usage as a whole. So while I like to see the positives in these situations, I also realize the realities of going through a full-on rebuild, and like many young hockey players, only a handful of them end up making a living out of it, and that same thing also applies to teams exiting the rebuild, so cautious optimism and patience to a certain extent are the only viable ways to approach these situations, at least in my point of view. But that's pretty much it for this week. As I said, it's been a busy seven days for me personally, and I certainly ain't complaining, that's for sure. But since I also know that there's going to be a few weeks that I won't be able to put out any new content, I wanted to push this through, and we did assure you guys that despite the major change in my own personal life, I'm not going to totally forget you guys and hope that you end up appreciating it as well. And understand that right now, I'm just passionate hockey fan trying to entertain and keep you guys up to date when it comes to weekly NHL topics. But that's that. Thank you for stopping by once again. I appreciate your time and dedication. It never goes unnoticed. I can promise you that. I hope you enjoyed and remember to pay attention to my social media because from there you will find all necessary updates and this week I'll also announce the winner of the giveaway so if you haven't done so already, remember to participate in order to give yourself a chance to win the signed endgame game worn Power Hyperlight. But that's all I have to say. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.